it's another episode of the Pro Gamers Guide podcast. I'm so thankful that you're here to listen to the discussion on this wonderful day. My name is Brian Saviano. I go by Bricks O'Brien here and across the internet. This show is a limited run series brought to you by, you guessed it, the supporters of Pro Gamers Guide to Healthy Habits on Kickstarter. After raising money for the children's book you know and love, stretch goals were hit and thus this podcast was born. If you want to learn more about Pro Gamer's Guide to Healthy Habits and everything in the Pro Gamer universe, please visit ProGamersGuide.com. See, I think I'm a professional with the way that I carry myself and bring that into my videos, but this guy, he just takes it to another level. He's a content creator for all ages across all the platforms, just like me. From Mario Kart to Yokai Watch to Fire Emblem, he does it all, and I'm honored to have Abdallah Smash on today's episode of the Pro Gamers Guide podcast. You are somebody that I have watched uh, for an incredibly long time, somebody I was happy to discover, and I'm, I'm very excited for you to be here uh, on the show this afternoon. Hey, thanks so much for having me, and thanks for uh, enjoying the content for so long. I ended up watching you after a very unique discovery way back when, but, but, but before I get into that, for those who may not know who you are, what you do, educate the people. What is it that Abdallah Smash does? Yeah, absolutely. Well, uh, if you haven't heard of me, uh, I'm that yokai watch guy. <laughs> I'm just kidding. Uh, I, I do a lot of content that's geared towards Nintendo. Uh, I've been doing all of that since Mario Kart 7 on Nintendo 3DS. Being one of the earlier Nintendo brand ambassadors, uh, that's a, a super awesome program where they would give me some review codes and I'd get early access to some games and really just put content out there so people can really make a better decision on whether or not to buy it. We cultivate a very family-friendly environment where it's all-inclusive and it's just really a safe place. And it just doesn't um, you know, reach on YouTube. You know, we've got Twitch that also happens and a very friendly Discord server where we have a lot of fans just hang out. But yeah, ultimately, it's family-friendly Nintendo gaming content uh, for you guys to enjoy on the daily. So you've been doing this for uh, quite a bit of time, and like I, I've been doing this for a long time as well, but for different brands and under different names. So I, I haven't had Bricks O'Brien consistently for the past 10 years. Like This is a, a relatively recent thing. I'm going on five years in July. You unintentionally got to a point that I wanted to bring up because you said you're the yokai watch guy, right? And I personally have not watched your yokai watch stuff. It's not a game that that captivated me. Like I said, I discovered your content in unconventional means. As somebody who's covered so many things for so long, yokai watch is the thing people remember you for. Does that sort of thing bug you given how much content you've covered over the past what? 10 years or so? Oh, not at all. Not at all. Um, a lot of people are still pining about Yokai Watch and wanting me to play it even further. Um, I mean, it's it's a great series. When it first came out in 2015, it was unfortunately dubbed as the Pokemon Killer, and all of the United States uh, took Pokemons back and really didn't give it a chance. Yeah. If you were to put both of them side by side, you'll definitely see the differences, and you'll see what makes Yokai Watch subjectively a better franchise in general. Uh, so the fact that uh, you know my entire channel is variety, uh, but Yokai Watch is one of the ones that not too many people really gave it a chance. So therefore, I was the only one giving it a shot and people gravitated towards me and i absolutely adore the franchise i wish it was still going correct me if i'm wrong but they released yokai watch 
four Japan exclusive. Is that right? Yeah, yeah. They did all of the English ones, one, two, and three, and a bunch of the side side games. They came out with the fourth one uh, in Japan only on Nintendo Switch, and it was an amazing game. The concept of Yokai Watch's popularity was definitely dwindling at that point, and the cost of localizing the game outside of Japan being multi like a multi million dollar process was something that I guess Level Five didn't want to happen. So what we did on my channel was we grabbed some who knew Japanese and knew how to read it and then they were co-streaming with me as my narrator as pretty much like a co-commentator and I would just be playing through the game with that person reading all the Japanese and kind of telling us where to go that entire video series is for those people that want to attempt to try to play that game but don't know anything about reading Japanese. That is a testament to the community that you've built over this time. Not everybody has the opportunity to bring someone on who knows Japanese. What is your perspective on like building community either through Discord or the YouTube chat? What what advice would you give to somebody who's up and coming? Like how do you how do you bring in people how do you maintain those connections like consistently over over time? Yeah, it's it's really hard to continuously maintain connections, but you just have to be friendly and you have to be down to earth with everyone. That's really it. I think one of the biggest things about uh, YouTubing in general, especially about growing a community, is not necessarily having a persona or anything like that. Just being yourself, being down to earth, and just being welcoming is really the only thing that I can say about that. Uh, as far as community goes, you know, just reach out to people. In order to get a person that translated, I reached out to the person who was in charge of actually translating the Yokai Watch anime episodes. So I reached out to them and uh, I, I wanted I wanted them on board. I'm like, hey, you're already in charge of the English subs. You already do this. So let's do it for everyone as another service for the community. I didn't really know them prior to that, but I mean, we made friends and it was just like a really, really good service that'll go and go down in history as you know what? We didn't get a localized game for X amount of years, but this is the next best thing that we have thanks to just reaching out to people and really respecting them and their time. So you, you got literally the best case scenario, the most qualified person possible to translate it for you. That's pretty cool. Do you attribute that to the way that you approached them to that person to do the, the translating? Or is it because, hey, you know, I got this big YouTube channel and that is enough to push me over the ledge for a collaboration like that? What was that that first step that you feel gave you the the credibility to approach someone like that for a project like that? Yeah, I mean, it was uh, it was a little bit of both, right? You uh, you have someone who goes to bat for a franchise that no one's giving it any attention. So that being said, like you can already tell that your reputation, uh, you know, precedes you a little bit. And the person, the people that did the fan subs, I mean, it's not like a full on publishing and they're not like super popular with the officials. It was, it's a fan, a group of, um, friends that really are into Yokai watch. So of course, like they've heard of me and they've heard of what I'm doing for the franchise. And since like our objectives aligned, it was super easy to do. And you feel that, that idea that, our objectives align and does that align with talking to Nintendo, for example, because you're a brand ambassador and there's a lot of people that are listening right now that are like, oh, yeah, I want to get free stuff from Nintendo. I want to be buddy buddy with Miyamoto because that's exactly what that is, right? All the time you're flying up to Japan to visit the headquarters. That's what that is, correct? Yeah, that would be amazing. I wish that was the case. <laughs> uh, but no, no. Uh, I mean, Nintendo is very, very picky about who they select. And they have their demographics that they really want to reach out to. I don't know. It's, it's just it's just demographics. And I can't really speak on who they choose and who they don't. 
they're not going to choose absolutely everyone on board. They really have to take a look at your reach and what you bring to the table in order to give you certain uh, codes for games. Now, back in the day, the Nintendo Brand Ambassador program was really awesome when it was very small. And they would just send me literally anything and everything that came out new, and I wouldn't even have to ask for it. It was really crazy. They gave me um, like a style savvy game once on Nintendo 3DS, which was totally not my demographic. Like, dude, I'm the Mario guy. I play Pokemon. Like, that's clearly geared towards like the teen female. Right, right. (laughs) I honestly thought they were mad at me for some reason. Um, But anyway, like I went out there and I played the game. Right. So that was really cool back in the day. But uh, now they're very, very conservative, conservative on who they give out games to. Honestly, they don't give out any early games to anyone outside of big media outlets anymore. So their entire program is kind of reduced to day one download codes. I know that the pandemic has happened, so they don't really do any in-person events anymore. Uh, Occasionally, they used to do like an invite to, you know, Nintendo New York, for example, where they're doing a launch party or something. So, yeah, it's uh, it's definitely a different program from what it used to be. And that sounds very similar to the Lego Ambassador program that I'm familiar with. And I, I do a lot of work with, you know, a bigger brand, get product early, but it's not necessarily you get everything early. It's a very specific kind of vague idea of what they think is best for your content. I guess that's what it boils down to. And, you know, that that's a reminder for everybody listening that you're not going to just get everything handed on a silver platter just because you have like a title or you're part of a program or anything. You still need to make the content that is best for your audience and the brands that you're going to be working with are going to cater what they give you to what your audience is. So where does that level of, uh, I guess, professionalism come from? That's just being business savvy. Uh, Really know your elevator pitch of what you're going to talk about and how to really get their attention on what you do. If you have a media kit available that shows your accolades and demographics, that is absolutely uh, very important when it comes to what they want to do. Because you have to think about it from a brand standpoint, right? Like... So it's just uh, knowing what to say and just really upholding yourself, you know, building out your entire repertoire so that you can back up what you're saying, right? If you don't have that many, you know, subscribers or you don't put out a lot of content, then they're not really going to give you the time of day versus, you know, if you put out lots and lots of content and you're very passionate, then they'll absolutely, you know, help you out. I'm wondering if you agree with this philosophy I've had, because it's something that I've come across in my time of doing this too, just even having like an informal conversation or just being generally likable in a real life environment at a convention or, or whatever it is, that is enough to like break the ice. Because if you approach somebody, whether it's a a big brand or another creator or something, and you're like, Hey, here, here's all my stats. This is why you should collaborate with me. It can come off as kind of as cold or just like, Hey, you, I just want something out of you. Like, have you found that just being being like conversational helps with those kind of discussions? Yeah, absolutely. Absolutely. Just find out something to talk about if you ever meet someone, especially at conventions and uh, see what happens afterwards. And this is a great example for anybody who's like researching new creators to follow and just unconventional ways of going about it. And this is a, isn't a story I haven't told you. And I don't think I've said publicly either. But I remember back at PAX East, you were doing a panel that was just you on stage 
Um, I had never heard about you. Uh, you were doing a panel on, you know, making content. And at PAX East at that point, I'm like, all right, I've been doing this for a while. I want to go to panels and just see what these people have to say. Maybe I'll get something new out of it. But it I wasn't there as an Abdallah Smash fan. I'm in the audience and you're talking about making this content and whatever. Part of what you said was with branding and how you could go on like a like a Fiverr to do your graphics. Like you said something like on the cheap, but you didn't say it that way. It was like it was a different way of phrasing it. And so you went on with the with the presentation and then at the end they went up to the microphone and you were on stage you know answering questions like whatever and they said hey uh you said that graphic designers can be hired on the cheap to do work and that's not what that job is and i want you to comment on that and you handled that moment like such a boss and deflected any like negative energy that was brought forth to the table and you clarified yourself in that moment. And it was so good and professional that I hadn't watched a single bit of your content ever before, but I went right to your channel and I subscribed because I'm like, if this guy can handle this sort of situation on the fly, diffuse this, clarify himself and present himself in this way, well, then the content has to be good. And it is. Wow. So I, I just <laughs> wanted to tell you that story as the sticking moment for like, that's how I discovered you. Well, well, why don't you enlighten all of us? I mean, I don't remember that personally, but I'm glad that stuck with you. Like all the people that weren't there. Wh what did I say? How did I how did I diffuse that? How did I shut that guy down? You well, I'm curious. You, you didn't even shut the guy. It was just like you can hire people that are very eager to help build up a brand. And obviously you want to compensate them properly. And you always want to give light to artists that are up and coming because they are generally looking for work more than hiring somebody that was, you know, like a $500 media kit or whatever. And you, you just gave more credence to the up and coming artist instead of saying yeah. like whatever. It was very on the fly when you said it during that panel. And not like I understood what you were talking about because I've been there and I've, I've worked with all tons of artists on my brand and my comic, my book, whatever. It was clearly a graphic designer in the audience. He took it a different way than I took it. So it was just the way that you diffused it was so, it was expert level. So I, I wanted to tell you that for so long. Wow, that's great. I got to go pull up the YouTube video. I think I had it recorded. I'll have to <laughs> I'll have to go find a timestamp. That That's a testament too, that like you can get fans and colleagues and brands attention in all sorts of unconventional ways. It's It's how you carry yourself it's how you present yourself to other people. And th this goes for content creation for life. Like the way that you carry yourself is so important. So I, I just wanted to give you a little validation there. Even back then, I don't know what year it was. It was it was in the before times of the pandemic, but you still had it back then. So congratulations. Yeah, absolutely, man. I mean, that's that's just really what it is. You, you have to be able to carry yourself uh, pretty professionally. And, and I mean, that comes with age too, right? Like, I don't, I don't know, man, I worked in retail management for like 13 years. So like, I was in front of many, many random people, customers and over like, 500 employees in my tenure at the company that I used to work for. And it's just, you have to know people skills. And that's not something that you just read in a book that, that takes actual experience. So I think some of the best experiences and thankfully, you know, conventions are, well, they're kind of semi back in full swing, but just putting yourself into the deep end of all the people, I think is one of the best ways. And I, I think for people like us, it's very easy to be like, yeah, just go dive in. But the amount of times I've seen people on the sidelines at PAX and they're not like talking to anybody. And I know there's people there 
that have a YouTube channel with 125 subscribers and they want to talk to people like us and then they don't take that first step out into the comfort zone of presenting themselves. So that that's just a re reaffirmation for everybody listening right now. Like those sort of things go so much further than I think you might realize. And those those environments are like the best for it, regardless of how big or small your channel is. You have a lot of people that help you in terms of uh, moderation. I noticed in your Discord, you have like a captions team and a Twitch team. Like there's all different divisions of people that help you for different things. So when you're when you're choosing people or finding people to help you for certain things, like what are you looking for uh, to come onto the Abdallah Smash team of content? For starters, having someone who's already passionate about my content is gonna be the number one thing. It's a lot easier to get a fan that also has those skills versus looking for someone with the skills. So it's more along the lines of finding some regulars in the community and asking around like, hey, I have a need for this. Is there anyone that wants to volunteer to help? Of course, you're gonna have to weed out some people and you gotta hold some interviews like you would for a job. That's the best way of doing it versus hiring off the streets. So you're you're a lot better off than me because when people ask me in my Twitch chat for to be a moderator, I'm like, oh yeah, absolutely. Um, we have a Google form you can apply and you can click here and it's a bitly link and it goes to a Rickroll. So <laughs> you're, you're better <laughs> off than me. Because, wow. you know, it's it's the younger people that are like, of course, Mr. O'Brien, I want to be a moderator and have control in your environment and decree what happens. And I'm like, yeah, sure. Go ahead. That's that's what you can that's what you can get. So you're you're more professional than me. So uh, that's that's totally like my energy. And I would absolutely <laughs> adopt that for sure. Like, I'm not I mean, my mod squad is is good right now. We're not hiring or we're not bringing anyone on board. But that would be really super cool. That's funny. That segues <laughs> into a good point where, you know, we're, we're family friendly and that doesn't necessarily mean uh, sterile or not having fun or not like I call it being spicy. Like I like being spicy on my streams and the energy and all that. How do you keep that that entertaining energy, the, the good vibes while being family friendly, but but not keeping the content boring for everybody? That's that's really the hard part, right? You got to you got to skate on a fine line. Uh, and sometimes I find myself go, going a little too far as far as the spiciness meter. Okay, and I really well, have to, you gotta give me an example real quick. You gotta, I, I mean, I've witnessed some moments I won't share because this, you know, we'll keep this family, but you gotta give me an example. Yeah, right? um, like like if I'm doing a, a Jackbox stream, sometimes I, uh, I don't do it with random everyone. I just do it with members, right? Um, because if you put it with everyone, then everyone's going to try to mess up the stream or say something you know, off the cuff, very uh, not family friendly. So that's kind of a paywall right there. Like, is someone really going to pay like $5 to become a member just to mess something up? Maybe, but that's a less than 1% chance. I don't know. Sometimes it's like when I play Jackbox, I really like to have the conversations going, uh, talk about um, you know, what answers people bring and like quiplash or split the room, some different prompts and really just like, I like to be a little judgy, right? Based off of what they say, Absolutely. just in order to keep the conversations going, right? Um, so I find myself sometimes like being way, way too judgy at a brand new <laughs> member who could possibly be a kid with an iPad, really doesn't even know how to play the game. So instead of making fun of that person, like I try to not really do that. But sometimes I skate that line a little too much and I'm a little too um, opinionated on, you know, the way that things people like they, like they type in those games. Like if you and I were to be playing Jackbox, right? 
with a bunch of friends around the room. We oh, would totally poke fun at some answers. Yeah, we'd poke fun at some answers and we say, well, why did you say that, dude? That's clearly not okay. Like, but uh, sometimes I find myself like going a little too far and offending people. And I don't want to do that because again, they're paid members. They just want to play. There's a chaotic evil version of me. That's just like, dude, like this is fun. This is a way of letting it all out and it's fun. It's entertaining. Um, but at the same time, you have to be respectful and okay, that's your answer. Cool. Great. Awesome. <laughs> like, let's talk about something else. Let's not give that right. the bad attention because it's such a bad answer. That's one of them. I mean, another instance, uh, you know, if I'm hosting raids in Pokemon, uh, and then we just get people who are um, who are just not paying attention. They're being belligerent. They're just like typing in or just putting any Pokemon in when it's like, dude, just bring a level one Pokemon, man. I'll do all the work for you. Right. So like finding that those people that are just being disrespectful and not paying attention, I have to toe that line of do I get upset that this person is ruining things for the 600, 700 people that are watching right now? Or do I just let it go? You'll see me sometimes I get really pissed and people are backseat gaming and those things. So sometimes it gets to me, but I just I keep it calm. <laughs> sometimes I put people on full blast if they're not paying attention. I've seen that like, too. <laughs> yeah, I mean, some people like that, right? They like the whole concept of, oh, dude, yo, you're upsetting the teacher, dude. You came to class late and you're <laughs> expecting to get all the cliff notes. No, man, that's not how it works around here. You're getting Professor Abdallah pissed over here. Uh-huh. Yeah, I mean, it's it's really fun to to get a little riled up, right? Just a little bit. But at the same time, like you said, it's it's you got to keep it family friendly. I'm not going to like swear at everyone as much as I would want to. <laughs> um, it's just more along the lines of keeping it professional, keeping it lighthearted, joke around a little bit and then kind of go from there and, and hope and pray that uh, you can collect yourself after the stream and joke about it. Use a callback next time. It was it was so funny. There was um, not too long ago, there was a gamer who his username was Deaf Gamer and he had like the little muted icon on Twitch, which is awesome, right? That's perfect. I had my mods help out. Obviously, he's not going to understand what I'm saying on stream. We have the pinned comment. We have the mods literally helping him understand what we're doing, right? So he comes into the, the raid. He does everything flawlessly, right? Thanks to paying attention. And then like the next raid after that, some belligerent kid comes in with like a random Pokemon that's going to ruin everything for us. And in my head, I'm like, wow, like, dude, even the deaf kid. <laughs> right. <laughs> right. Even the deaf gamer figured this out. Like, what, is, what am I missing here? But of course, I didn't go and say that because I didn't really want to offend anyone. But that's like the that's the thing. Like, you may think about something in your head, but then like before you actually go say it, you got to filter that stuff out. And you really have to like make sure that you try not to hurt anyone's feelings so hard and you don't want to you don't want to come off um, if you know the acronym um, AITA, right? Yes. Yes. Yeah. Um, and then it's like, hey, I'm, I'm trying to do a service for everyone, but these people aren't paying attention, you know, AITA. And <laughs> I'm like, am, am I that? No, you aren't until you see some Reddit thread that's like, you won't believe what this family friendly creator said. And then it's a whole the yeah. whole thing. You don't want that. I have totally been in that position with Jackbox. If somebody does have a bad answer, I'm like, all right, who's the bozo who thought putting Brian as an answer for every single question was funny because you y'all aren't funny. Like like and it just I play into the this is incredibly cringe of the stream and that ends up being funny and gets people uh, excited and going. Absolutely. I've seen the, you just ticked off the teacher and y'all should feel bad. And I've been there too. Trust me. It, it's, it's very aggravating. You know, the, the person that came into the stream, that's deaf. Like that's, that's great. That somebody 
is in the stream and can follow those directions and whatnot. I have people that troll me. This one person in my stream, she's like, I can't read. I'm like, well, how are you? Okay. So sometimes <laughs> all that can be a troll too, but I'm glad that you, you took that in stride and, uh, made the best of it for everybody. That's awesome. You're gaming with the the community. You you generally do it with the the members and I know you have community Discord nights as well or the moderators host those, right? Yeah, yeah, it's a fun time to just hang out and um just do a little something extra on the side. But what's it like having one of the largest family-friendly Discord servers and and how do you even moderate something like that for all those people? Well, I, I don't know about having the largest, but uh, we've got a, an okay sized one. It's pretty modest. Um, but like like I said earlier, with uh, with chat mods, we have the exact same thing for Discord mods. And it's finding people in the community that want to help out. Um, so again, it's just the interview process of getting that under control. And uh, I was very fortunate enough to have a lot of people that really want to learn about Discord, how to make the Discord, all the channels really good, how to keep an eye on things, how to use the bots. Uh, we got pretty, pretty fortunate that everyone's passionate about keeping it a safe space. And that's that's our goal. Number one is not having any um, anything that's not family friendly or drama based or anything like that. Just have a spot to talk to some fellow fans, make some new friends and just have a, a place of belonging. Like with the moderators, I've noticed some of them, you know, they're longtime fans, but they happen to be parents of people maybe in the chat or just parents in general. What's what's that dynamic like? The the moms and the dads of the community by comparison to some maybe the, the younger ones that are in the YouTube chat. Yeah, yeah. I think it's just really fun to, to see the entire demographics of things, right? If you take a look at YouTube analytics on demographics, you don't know how, uh, if it's a parent logging in or, um, if it's a kid on their parents account, right? You don't know that stuff until you like hear some comments or, uh, read some feedback about that. I know during the pandemic, that was pretty huge. We were all playing animal crossing and like my main demographic was a bunch of moms. It was just really cool to see that not only do, you know, kids log in, but I mean, people our age, uh, that's the main demographic for me. People our age is people who can actually relate to what I'm talking about. And that's just, that's honestly the best part about all of that. I love the fact that you get parents that watch the content and uh, I wouldn't have it any other way. I think it's just really great that they allow uh, their kid to watch my shenanigans, right? And, and going back to the spicy comments there, have you ever had a parent reach out to you with a, a complaint or a comment about <laughs> something you've said on camera that was like, ooh, man, maybe, maybe like once, but I, I couldn't remember. That's just one piece of feedback to someone who's vocal. Sure. But right. can you imagine all the people that aren't vocal that just end up leaving? It's kind of like a restaurant, right? When you go over to a restaurant and you don't have a good time and they overcook your meal and overcharge you, this, that, and the other... 99% of people are just never going to come back. So it's it's the exact same thing as that. So it's like it's it's a little eye opening that hey, maybe maybe sneaking in the uh, the little adult humor, right? Sneaking in a little bit of adult humor is probably not the best. And from from somebody who is a family-friendly content creator, I think you tread the line very very well. Um, obviously like I'm a 26, 27 year old guy. So that's just my perspective. I come from the place of understanding your frustration and I'm not, I'm not a father. So I, I'm like looking at all these rugrats in the chat talking about whatever they're talking about, not listening to you. And I'm getting just as aggravated as you are in, in real time. So I think you do a great job with it. Keeping it lighthearted with, with all the things that you have going on. I like to ask the, uh, the general questions that I'm sure all the, uh, 
the diehard fans. Uh, I know they ask me, so I want to ask you, uh, what is your favorite video game of all time? What's your least favorite video game of all time? Wow. Uh, favorite video game of all time is Super Mario RPG on Super Nintendo. Uh, that is just a classic game, and I don't think that any other RPG holds a light to it. It was Nintendo's IP, and then Square Enix pretty much made the entire game. The writing was witty, the characters were lovable, and the gameplay was really, really spot on for what it was back on Super Nintendo. Um, it was my very first RPG that I've ever played, right? Being a kid growing up with Super Nintendo, you play Mario games, right? Like, that's the thing. You play Mario Kart, Super Mario World, and then it's like, what's an RPG? No idea. What's Final Fantasy? That's not popular among all the kids in school at that time. All right, cool. I'm going to try Mario RPG, and then boom, it's just it's just there. Man, I, I, um, I still haven't played it yet. I don't know. I, yeah, I mean, that's the thing. Like, you'll you'll absolutely love it. It's on the Super Nintendo Mini. You can get it on Wii Virtual Console or something, or just pick up the Super Nintendo game. But yeah, um, least favorite game? Honestly, I I play a lot of games recently. Maybe like the the newer Mario sports games are just awful. Oh I yeah. Think that, yep. I think that Nintendo in general has really lost their touch um, on on a lot of things, and it might be controversial opinion, but I don't think Nintendo's doing a good job with their main title games take a look at a game like mario golf uh super rush it, they force you to spend 60 bucks on it with uh, hopes that it's going to be as good as the previous ones right like mario golf on 64 that was an amazing game like they're packaging these games nowadays that are just unfinished uh like nintendo switch sports for example it's like here we go we got five sports for you uh, and we're gonna charge you like 50 bucks or whatever for it uh, but look forward in the future to golf, right? When that comes out months later. Sure. It's like, dude, the game on Nintendo Wii, like 20 years ago, had more content. Like, what are you doing? What's happening? I think those games would do a lot better if they had a thriving online community, which is where I feel like a lot of those games, that's why they put those updates out, like a, like a Destiny 2. Like, the, they release updates continuously for years, and Nintendo's looking at that like, oh, yeah, we can do that. But like when you're online, whatever is not good, then you're not going to get the people behind it. And it's not as uh, culturally relevant as Smash Bros. So it's not surprising when you see a, a trailer release on a Wednesday morning at 9 a.m. Eastern. It's like, hey, here's Diddy Kong. Like, all right. Great. Thanks. Cool. Back to not yeah, playing this game. Exactly. And like fix your actual game, put the money into it. I mean, I don't blame next level games. I'm sure they have aspirations of making it really, really good. But Nintendo's strict on their deadlines, man. It's the same thing with like Splatoon 3, man. Splatoon 3 was so bad as far as content goes. It's literally like Splatoon 2 and a half. There was really nothing new about it. You know what the biggest ball drop was, in my opinion, off the heels of the lockdown, and the the explosion of this franchise that they just you know, they released the DLC way too late and did not give it the, the the consideration it should have was Animal Crossing man what a perfect yeah, game to drip feed content and holidays like why not yeah I don't really understand their development um, cycle on that the game's great it's amazing but the way that they treated their audience like how do you not continue to make content for it from a business standpoint. Yeah, I can see where Nintendo is coming from if they really only care about money. Put all your dev dollars into the app because that's going to make even more money every month. Versus, oh, dude, we already got your 60 bucks. Like, here's a little bit of drip feed content for a year and adios. Like, whatever. We don't need to spend that. For sure. And then, you know, literally Mario Kart, literally 10 years later, 
they're coming out with, with new tracks for it. I was playing it like my senior year of high school when it first came out. Like, okay, now we're now we're doing this. Anyways, uh, two questions before I let you go because I know you're a busy guy. You got all these things going on. Game that you're most looking forward to ne- uh, for this year? Uh, Tears of the Kingdom doesn't count because we all know we're all looking forward to that. Yeah, yeah. Um, I'm looking forward to Fire Emblem. Actually, Fire Emblem Engage. Uh, that game is going to be really, really good. I haven't played a main series Fire Emblem game since like Three Houses, and this one's going to definitely scratch that itch for sure, if not better. Um, I feel that uh, Intelligent Systems, the the devs behind it, are making multi-millions off of their app game Fire Emblem Heroes. What they're doing essentially is taking those multi-millions and turning it into this one game. It literally comes out on the 20th of January. They're turning it into this one game that's going to be super polished and refined. And I cannot wait for that. It's going to have all the cutscenes fully voiced. It's going to have amiibo support. It's going to have online functionality. It's going to have like full on animated cutscenes in every chapter. Like that is phenomenal. And that should be the golden standard moving forward with every single game. We were talking a little earlier about games that are just missing the mark. And you take a franchise like Pokemon, right? Absolutely. And and like Pokemon, dude, what a what an embarrassing launch for Pokemon Scarlet and Violet, where the game was rushed. They had to cut corners in order to make their November deadline. And it really shows, right? Not a single voice cutscene anywhere. But like you get a game like Fire Emblem, which probably doesn't even have like intelligent systems, they don't have as much money as Pokemon money, right? But they still are going to come out with a game that completely exceeds everything that Pokemon Scarlet and Violet even tried to do. Pokemon's the number one franchise period in the world and fire emblem is going to outdo it. It's, it's incredible. There's that. And then the final question, sir, uh, when are you going to super Nintendo world? Cause this is, we're here now it's happening. Yeah. Yeah. I wanted to go on the launch day. They also had a, there was a Pokemon go for over in Vegas, which is like a stone throw away from me on that exact same weekend. So <laughs> you're going to party in uh, Vegas. Nice. Yeah, yeah. So I'm just literally going to drive down to Vegas for that weekend instead. Uh, And I'll just go to Super Nintendo World like another time during the year, maybe like an off peak season or something along those lines and maybe do like a meetup or something along the line. So, yeah, that that's probably what I'm going to do, too. Probably uh, August or September or something before all the the Halloween stuff starts and they start up charging for that and whatever. But you're you're a brand ambassador, man. Just call just call up Doug Bowser. Be like, listen, man. Hey, man. Toss me a couple passes, you know, you got to make yeah, those calls. Yeah, I was going to say, yeah, where the heck are those passes at, man? <laughs> right, exactly. Well, in the meantime, before uh, the meetup at Super Nintendo World, Tears of the Kingdom, Fire Emblem, etc., cetera, uh, remind the people where they can find your content across the vast internet. It's Abdallah Smash on YouTube, Abdallah Smash 026 over on uh, Twitch. You can find me on Instagram um, and TikTok. We do a couple shorts over there as well. And really just gearing up towards Zelda, playing some Mario Party in the meantime, probably playing through all the older Zelda games. It'll be a good time. Well, an awesome lineup of content for you across all the platforms. I greatly appreciate your time here today, and I look forward to seeing you at PAX East and other places as well. Absolutely. Thanks so much for having me on. It's been a blast. Shout out to Abdallah for being on today's show. You can find his content on Kidoodle TV, YouTube, Twitch, all the places across the internet. Like he said, just Google Abdallah Smash and all the information will pop up. We have so much more to offer on the Pro Gamers Guide podcast with tips and stories and whatever else happens to come up. So thank you for your continued support on this series and I'll see you again next time.